Healthwatch organisations were set up in 2012 by an Act of Parliament to have their ears to the ground, picking up public and patient concerns and views of their local health and care services. Each local authority in England has a local health watch. Healthwatch used the insights gathered to advise council and NHS leaders about their community's needs to ensure that residents' views are heard and acted on in decisions about local health and care services. Since 2018, we've been researching the work and relationships of Local Health Watch. In this podcast series, we talk to people who know about Health Watch, about the work of Local Health Watch. We hope by listening to these podcasts, you'll get an insight into this organization, which, despite the mission of representing people's voices, remain themselves larger and known. I'm Amit Desai. And I'm Julia Zuccatelli. We're both research fellows at King's College London. This is the Exploring Health Watch podcast. Hello, everyone. Today, we're delighted to be speaking to Jacob Lant, who's the Head of Policy and Public Affairs and Research at Healthwatch England. He is a veritable repository of all things Healthwatch related. We'll be asking him about the relationship between Healthwatch England and local Healthwatch organisations, about the role of Healthwatch in the health and care system more generally, and the effect of changes in the NHS on how Healthwatch provides patient and public voice. Hello, Jacob. Hi there, Jacob. Yes. Hi, Julia. Hi, Annet. So the first thing I would ask you today is to give us a brief introduction about Healthwatch England and what is its relationship with the broader Healthwatch network. Based on your experience, you've been working at Healthwatch England for eight years now, so quite a long time since almost the very beginning. So how does Healthwatch England support the work of local Healthwatch on the ground from your perspective? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. So uh, I'll start by just you know very briefly explaining the legal setup. So both Local Health Watch and Health Watch England were created under the 2012 Health and Social Care Act. Although we are legally independent organisations of each other, we operate as kind of one big network under a single Health Watch brand. And that's sort of the, the main sort of support that Health Watch England provides to the network as we provide that sort of umbrella presentation to the world, if you will. Um, so we provide a lot of support for them in, in that sense, but we also provide advice on you know, what's happening in national policy, what might be affecting uh, health watch and the changes to GPs, hospital services, care homes, whatever it might be. So we we help local health watch understand what they need to pay attention to, what they don't, because there's an awful lot of stuff going on in the health and social care world all the time. And health watch are very small teams. So we try and help distill all that down for them. We also provide help with um, local councils in commissioning their health watch to make sure that they're, they're setting up the contracts for their health watch in the right way. So deliver the right services and make sure that each and every local health watch is as strong as possible in giving their communities a say in how their local services work. Um, what what do you think then, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but it'd be good to hear from you what you think are the key contributions that Healthwatch makes, I guess, you know, to the lives of residents and the health and care system. So I, I think um, I'll split this out into probably the, the contribution we make in a strategic sense to the health and care system, and then what the difference we make at a more operational level, if that's okay. So I think on a, a strategic level, by having a, a statutory network like Health Watch that's independent of the NHS, but has sort of has a seat at the table in a lot of the big discussions about how services are designed and planned, it, it means that we can bring a different perspective and we can make the NHS and social care services concentrate on things that they might not otherwise think about. Um, and I give a very practical example of this. So 
few years ago, the NHS was designing a 10-year plan, how the, you know, the service was going to evolve over the next decade. And we did a big engagement exercise with the public, finding out what they wanted uh, mm. from the NHS. And whilst the NHS was talking a lot about cancer and preventative uh, public health campaigns and, and A&E targets and all this sort of stuff, which is all really important, people were telling us, I physically can't get to a, the hospital very easily or the GP. I struggle because I can't access transport. I can't access the new online consultations or whatever it might be. And so we're able to get the NHS to focus on some of the things that matter to people, even though they've got other issues they want to be focusing on. So cancer targets are important, but so is getting someone to the hospital for their mm. cancer treatment. And we get the, you know, bringing that user voice to the table really sort of concentrates minds on what matters to users. And then on a, a like a really operational level, we, we listen all the time to what people are saying about their experiences of health and social care. So we can show what's happening on the ground, how well things are going. And we can flag when there are real crises brewing. So over the last couple of years, we've seen uh, all the local health watch reporting problems with access to dentistry, for example. Again, not something that features massively on the NHS's radar as a big issue, but for us and for the public, it's clearly a huge problem. Um, and we were able to put that on, on the agenda if you will. And the outcome of that is in the, just in January, the NHS announced an additional £50 million going towards extra dental appointments for January to March this year. So you can see that we're, we're listening to stuff, bringing it to the table, and then it's changing NHS's decisions about where they invest resources to meet the needs of people. So yeah, it's a mixture of those sort of really big picture things and really quite not small, but more sort of tactical issues that the NHS has to deal with. During our research, we picked up that there is some changes uh, on ongoing like across the network uh, so for instance like the the impact of the pandemic on the work of local health watch has been has been massive do you want to say a few words about that uh, how did uh, local health watch work change during the pandemic in the course of the pandemic how is it still changing as an effect of that so I, I think the biggest change that happened during the pandemic is the speed at which we were getting all the evidence that we gather analyzing it and, and putting on the the table for decision makers to use to to shape mm. their thinking so you know in in the past Research projects might have taken many months for us to carry through, um, sometimes longer. Whereas uh, during the pandemic, we saw Local Health Watch individually, but also collectively as a network, sharing insights much more quickly. And that evidence, that data being used by local health leaders and also national health leaders about decisions they had to take, whether that be, you know, how do we support people to shield at home? How do we change the shielding advice? How do we update it? How do we make sure it's understandable? How do we roll out vaccines? How do we tackle things like vaccine hesitancy amongst certain communities? So these sorts of things, you know, we were able to actually get how evidence from how users were experiencing things almost in real time and play that back into some of the big decisions at a national level. And I think that's the thing that's really, really changed in the last couple of years is just the speed at which we can operate. And obviously that comes with its own pressures and its own, you know, the way it changes how we work. But I think it's one of the things the system's reacted to very positively from, from Healthwatch in recent years. Yeah, it's really it's really encouraging to hear, Jacob. I guess we we're also wondering and following off the back of what you've said about perhaps changes to the understanding of Healthwatch's role. It'd be kind of interesting to hear what you kind of thought, say, various groups, say the NHS or the public or local government, how they might have thought about Healthwatch before the pandemic and maybe what has changed about what they see as a role or the visibility of Healthwatch. 
So I think the perception of Health Watch and of engaging communities more broadly has changed quite a lot during the pandemic. So I think pre-pandemic, the, the people in the NHS and in social care, they wanted to do community engagement, but they often didn't have the time to do it or don't feel they have the time to do it. it. This felt as a bit of a nuisance. And I think that had sort of this sort of, is it really going to make a difference to what we're trying to plan to do anyway, sort of attitude. So people would try and do as minimal as possible engagement through, through Health Watch. Whereas now, I think people have seen how it doesn't have to be a hugely lengthy process. The system will make best use of the data that HealthWatch is gathering all the time, listening to communities, engaging with them every day to inform decisions and to think about actions that they might need to take. So you, you kind of talked about the NHS quite a bit. It'd be interesting to hear about the public, maybe, like public perceptions of HealthWatch. Like, does it matter that they know or don't know that HealthWatch is around? I think it's a really interesting question about whether the public need to know whether Health Watch exists or not. And obviously, public profile is important for organisations. Um, I've always been a firm believer that Health Watch doesn't have to be a household name. People just have to have a concept or a vague idea that an organisation like us exists, and then that we're easy to find when you need us. That's sort of my my view. But what I do I do know is that we have seen a significant increase in our public awareness during the pandemic. It's gone up quite considerably, which is I think is a reflection of the fact that people are using our service more so more people are coming to us for information advice of what, what was happening during the pandemic what what was the latest health advice what were the latest rules so we had a lot of people using us more and that, that information service we also had a lot more people sharing their insights with us during the pandemic period i think i think in the first quarter of the pandemic we had like half a million people get in touch with the network and prior to that we'd have probably heard from maybe i don't know half that quarter of a million people a quarter so you know you get a real sense that um, the public are definitely more aware of health watch making more use of the service uh, in recent years and you know i think that's a, only a positive thing for the future even though as i say i'm, I'm not adamant that health watch must be a household name you know the extra awareness does really it helps because it builds as a stronger evidence base we're hearing from more people and our evidence becomes more useful as a result you're talking about changes changes in the perspective that people have about looking at swatch and obviously changes also in terms of the position in the role that Earthwatch is taking as a result of the pandemic. But I would say uh, there are also like broader shifts in the health and care system going on at the moment. For instance, the, the shifting or commissioning of services to the regional level rather than at the local authority level, that has a strong impact on, on the way in which Earthwatch is operating, has started to operate now, but will operate in the future as well. So how does Earthwatch locate itself in the new health and care system? I think it's 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 a it's a big challenge for everyone in the health and social care system at the moment. So are the the new integrated care systems, the ICSs, these sort of new sort of sub-regional bodies that will exist? Um, you know, how how much of are they going to change the landscape? Are they going to be where all the decisions are now taken and they're going to become forty-two sort of mini kingdoms in the NHS, or are they? You know, are we still going to be making a lot of decisions at the place level or the community level? And mm. a lot of that will come through in practice in the coming years. Years, but it does present a challenge where Healthwatch focuses attentions at the moment because obviously as a network mm. we're set up to operate at that community in place level that, as close to local communities as possible and that's where you get the best engagement because you, that's where people live their lives so you can't it's difficult to engage in a concept 
concept of you know how you should deliver health services across the northeast and North Cumbria, for example. It's a massive area, but actually it's much clearer as like how do you deliver health services in Newcastle? It's a much easier conversation. So Healthwatch will continue to be at the doing its engagement activity at that place level. That's where it really matters most. The question is then what we do with the insight and how much we spend time influencing the new regional ICSs or whether you know we stick sort of concentrating on just what's happening at place level. I don't think anyone knows the answer to that yet. I certainly do know, though, that the ICS is the way that they've been constructed. There is an expectation they will be doing engagement with their local communities, that they will be designing strategies to undertake that. Um, and they need to have access to the right expertise, the right resourcing into that to do it well. And uh, that's going to be another big challenge is that at the moment, Healthwatch are resourced operate at place level, but not at this additional middle level of decision making. So how do you actually source that activity? Because it, it doesn't doesn't just magically happen. It does take staff time. It does take and, and senior staff time at that as well. Any idea about what is the future holding for Local Health Watch? I remember when we started in this study, we weren't even sure that Health Watch would have been around at the end of the study. And instead, it looks like Health Watch is in a much healthier position now, policy-wise. What is the future looking like for Local Health Watch? I think there's always a question about how long different parts of the health sector will last before they get reorganised. And public voice, one of those areas that's been through multiple iterations, so Health Watch being the fourth iteration in not that long a period of time. So I think we were always right to be to be aware of, you know, is it the right model? Is it doing what it needs to? But I, I agree with you, it's in a really strong position. It's one of the few reforms from the 2012 Act that's really thrived. And that's reflected in not what I think, but what other stakeholders have said about us, what government said about us. There was a recent debate in the House of Lords about Health Watch, where there were um, peers from across the political spectrum singing the praises of the Health Watch network. And so I think it really has gone from strength to strength. The issue, the big issue is about the resourcing of it because we're operating on in in real terms of 50% less than the government said that we needed to operate when we were set up. So, you know, we're delivering a huge amount of work um, and it is a constant challenge of how we're going to continue to do that. It's grown the appetite for what we do at a time when our resources are as low as they've ever been. So how do you how do you join those two things together? I don't know. So it's a big challenge, but certainly it's one that we're committed to continuing to try and make this work and make the case for the necessary resource in user engagement and ultimately it's it's making sure that users have the voice in the system that's going to be what the uh, is is such an important thing that is growing and we need to maintain the momentum behind that in order to make sure services are as good as they can be thinking about the you know the resourcing question because that is an important one what are the implications do you think of not only i suppose the kind of the fall the drop in funding that you you just talked about across the board but perhaps the variability in funding across the network um, in England, what are the implications of that for, say, ordinary people who might want to be getting their voice heard or being asked for their views on how health systems should be run? Well, the, 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 there are two issues. So, firstly, it, it's about the, the level of service that can be offered in the area. So, you know, in one area that's better funded, you might have a advice an information service that operates nine to five, Monday to Friday, and that you've got a good senior leader who can take all the evidence from the work and take that into the uh, you know the rooms where decisions are made and, and really do influencing very well. In another area, you might they might only be able to operate that information service in mornings only or only a couple of days a week or something. Um, they might have a part-time chief exec or they might have a, a, a lesser experienced chief exec to the organisation who's less able to do that influencing work. So you've got the effectiveness of the, of the individual health watch, which is a, a challenge. The other thing is um, 
the disparities within an integrated care system. So in, in the recent piece of analysis we've done, there are a significant number of areas of the country where one health watch in an ICS patch has more than half of the total pot of funding for health watch across that whole patch. So what you do is you end up with, say, a, an ICS has got four health watch areas within it. One of those communities got significantly more resource behind having it, say, than the others. And so does it become unequal? Does one community have more of a chance to influence decisions than another? Um, and that's, that is a real challenge that we're going to, not just health watch, but, you know, that's a problem for the whole system to consider. It's not, you know, the resourcing is our immediate challenge, but really it's a, a financial and moral challenge that the whole system has to think about, about how we make sure that every community has an equal say um, in the decisions being made in their area. What are your and Health Watch England's ideas about how you might go about addressing some of those challenges? So in terms of what our plans are for the resourcing, I think it's a big question because a lot of it is not directly within our control. We're making the case to the Department of Health and Social Care, making the case to NHS England, and we're making the case to integrated care systems about the need to resource this and to uh, for the NHS to put its hand in its pocket and, and pay its share. I think the issue, more broadly speaking, is less than 0.01% of the overall health and social care budget is currently spent on health watch. And if you consider that as being like a proportion of the overall budget compared to what other sectors spend on consumer or user research, actually it's a tiny proportion. And so we do need the NHS to consider you know, how it's investing in this to make the resources available. Because ultimately, it's the evidence that we're generating is helping them make better decisions that improve uh, quality of care, improve efficiency of services. So you know, they do need the insights, but they don't come free. And we do need to think about the resourcing of it. So what do you think, apart from what you've just said, what do you think Healthwatch needs to do their work better and to be able to convey and represent the voice of patients and the public? What do you think they might need? So I've talked quite a lot about resources. Uh, I think the the other two things that we probably need are seats at the right tables. Now, I don't want to get bogged down in governance discussions, but Healthwatch does need a seat at the right table. And that means that they need to be where at all decision-making levels in the NHS and social care because if we're not there, then it's too easy to forget about the role that user voice plays. And you end up with consultations that are run last minute, poorly thought through it, engagement exercises, engagement that's under-resourced. It's a constant reminder to make sure this stuff sits culturally in the right place. And so in governance terms, HealthWatch needs to be in all the right places. And I think the other thing, talking on culture for a second, that we need is we need the NHS and social care to be better at acknowledging when it is listened to and acted on insight shared by users. And that's not just from HealthWatch. That could be from any voluntary sector organisation or any engagement exercise the system runs itself. Actually, a culture where the system is saying, you told us this and this is what we've done. And also, you've told us this and actually we can't do anything about that for X, Y, Z reason. That honest conversation is so important to building this, this cycle of, of why feedback matters and that feedback is being acted on. And, and it helps the public understand what's happening to what they're telling HealthWatch, but it also helps them see that it's, it's leading to change. And whilst we can do are part of that health watch and tell people that you know the impact that we're having actually the system itself saying we heard what you said we listened and we've changed something um how are we doing now is it better you know that real cultural shift would really help the health watch network in doing what we do thank you very much jacob it's been a pleasure speaking to you thanks very much thank you jacob bye thanks, Emma. thanks jacob. today we were speaking to jacob lant head of policy public affairs and research at health watch england in our next episode we'll be hearing from Michelle Thompson, 
who is the CEO of a local health watch, Healthwatch Darlington. She'll talk us through what it's like to run a health watch service, particularly given the challenges of funding and of working through the pandemic to keep providing patient and public voice to the health service. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This podcast episode was hosted and produced by Amit Desai and Juliet Zaccatelli. The HealthWatch study team are Sally Brealy, Amit Desai, Graham Martin, Glenn Robert and Juliet Zaccatelli. This podcast was produced as part of a project funded by the National Institute for Health and Care Research, the NIHR. The study was funded by the NIHR Health and Social Care Delivery Research Programme. Award number 1705110HSDR. The views expressed here are those of the study team and not necessarily those of the NIHR or the Department of Health and Social Care. Mm-hmm.